Well, according to a report, Oregon is potentially after Oklahoma quarterback Dylan Gabriel. Is that a move we should be wanting? Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, and your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. So if you have not already, please like, comment, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to or watch this show, which today is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use code Locked On College for $20 off your first purchase portal moves are a hopping because the transfer portal is officially open there's going to be a lot of movement we'll talk about players who have left the program others who could leave and all that sort of stuff and a couple other thoughts on uh, the fiesta bowl matchup with liberty but dylan gabriel is reportedly one of the targets he is the oklahoma quarterback formerly the central florida quarterback earlier in his career he is someone that is a tremendously experienced player in college football. Now, the last time Oregon brought in a portal quarterback with a record of, uh, you know, good, but not always great, but is really experienced, has played a lot of college football from a power five school. It worked out. Let's just say I'm talking about Bo Nix, if you didn't know. So I think that comparison is completely and totally fair. There are a lot of quarterbacks that are in the transfer portal. Riley Leonard of Duke, Cam Ward at Washington State, DJU at, at Oregon State. I'm not opposed to Dylan Gabriel. He had a great season this year. 30 touchdowns, six interceptions, I think. His completion percentage was just under 70%, which I believe was the best mark of his career. I'm not a huge Dylan Gabriel guy. I, I think that Gabriel is good. If you ask me would I rather have him or Riley Leonard, I'd take Riley Leonard. Would I rather have Gabriel or Cam Ward? I'd rather have Cam Ward. Would I rather have Gabriel or DJ Uyungle? I would take Dylan Gabriel. So I don't think it's the worst option that is available to the Ducks for 2024 and beyond. Now, this is all happening with the backdrop of Martin Van or Michael Van Buren. Sorry. Um, I just completely uh, forgot his first name. How about that? Um, but Michael Van Buren, not Martin Van Buren. Martin Van Buren was a president of the United States. Okay. Slip of the tongue. I don't know why he's on my mind, but Michael Van Buren, a 2024 quarterback for the Ducks, he decommitted from Oregon, meaning that Luke Moga, the three-star out of the state of Arizona, is going to be in all likelihood the only quarterback the Ducks take in the 2024 high school recruiting cycle. Now, as of now, the quarterbacks on the roster for 2024 are Ty Thompson, Austin Novosad and Luke Moga. Those will be the only guys. Ty Thompson certainly would have an opportunity to start. Luke Moga, probably not. Austin Novosad, wild card, but not as likely. If Oregon's bringing in a transfer portal quarterback, I, I think that calls into question whether or not Ty Thompson will be on the roster next year. And I think Ty has made massive strides. I think learning from Bo Nix has been great. I think Will Stein has done a really good job. And when he's coming to the game, he's looked comfortable and better. And it doesn't look like we're going to see him start in the bowl game against Liberty, something I'll talk about later in the show. But I think that this Gabriel move is an interesting one. I understand the logic. Oregon's not the only team after him. I know that USC is another one that that, that is after the current but now former, I guess, Oklahoma Sooner ahead of the uh, ahead of their bowl game. 
So I'm I'm not opposed. I'm just saying he wouldn't be my number one option. I if Oregon is going to add a transfer for 2024, I'd go with Cam Ward. I I, I would go with Cam Ward. I have watched both of those guys play a pretty good amount of football. I have been more impressed with Cam Ward. I think he's got a better arm and a quicker release. Both have, you know, about the same mobility. I think Ward throws better on the run. Gabriel, you can certainly argue, is a little bit more consistent, but I think that he had a lot more to work with at Oklahoma than Cam Ward had at Washington State. And Cam Ward did a lot of great things at Washington State, and we saw him play really well against the Ducks at Austin Stadium earlier this year. He went for over 400 yards, and he, like he was absolutely fantastic. It's it's really a personal thing. You can look at the numbers and say, oh, you'd rather have this guy or that guy, that guy, this guy. You can talk yourself into whoever you'd like. My preference, if Oregon is going to go with a transfer for 2024, I am not opposed. I, I know that plenty of Oregon fans are, and I get that. I am not opposed if the staff thinks Ty Thompson is ready to start to giving him an opportunity to, to start in 2024. Now, that's something that will probably play out over the course of spring footballs. So if they bring in a transfer, I can't imagine Ty Thompson is going to just sit there and say, well, I guess I have no chance. Maybe he would, depending on who it is, because generally you bring in a transfer portal quarterback to start, but that hasn't always been the case. For example, down at Arizona, Jaden Delora came in last year, was a starting quarterback, was a starting quarterback this year, and Noah Fafita then won the job from him. Maybe Ty Thompson feels he'd be able to do that. You look at what happened at UCLA. You know, they had Ethan Garbers there. They brought in Colin Schley from Kent State, and they had Dante Moore, and no one was able to really, you know, fully win the job there, and it ended up being a situation in which Dante Moore's in the portal, who reportedly is considering Oregon, Florida State, Miami, and there's one other one other team in there. But um, I saw Zach Neal tweet something kind of funny, which was that uh, – Zach's a good guy. I've had him on had him on the show before. He does a great job writing over at uh, I think it's Ducks Wire at USA Today. And he he said that he found it amusing that Dante Moore, who's you know been kind of vocal about wanting quarterback development, would be considering Miami with Mario Cristobal. I have to agree with Zach's thinking there. I don't think that would be the best landing spot for for Dante Moore. Michigan, Michigan's the other team. Oregon, Miami, Michigan, and Florida State. Uh, I, I think Michigan would be a really good spot for Dante Moore. Maybe it would work out at Oregon. I actually think Will Stein's offense could fit Dante Moore's skill set quite well. I think that a lot of quarterbacks, he he clearly runs a quarterback-friendly system. You look at what Frank Harris did last year when he was at UTSA. You look at what Bo Nix did this year with Will Stein as the OC. I think a, a variety of different quarterbacks can work. I'm not opposed to Dylan Gabriel. There is certainly upside. If he ends up choosing the Ducks, we can examine what that upside is and the downside as well. I've just watched him, and I would rather, if they are going to go with a transfer, I'd, I'd go with Cam Ward or Riley Leonard if uh, those options are available. But that's the quarterback situation. That's the quarterback situation. If a transfer comes in, yeah, maybe Ty Thompson says, well, I guess I'm not starting here. You know, he wasn't a re- recruit of this staff. He's been one of the holdovers from the crystal ball era, but that doesn't mean those guys can't play. I mean, Ty Thompson obviously hasn't started because Bo Nix has been playing – at, at a Heisman level. But the other factor here too is that Ty Thompson is not the only holdover from that Cristobal era. I mean, Jackson Powers Johnson was a Mario Cristobal recruit. So was Jeffrey Bossa. 
So is Troy Franklin. Like you keep going down the list. There are plenty of guys who, if the staff feels they're good enough and they're earning playing time, they're they're going to play them and they can be really, really good players, of course. So, you know, I, I would like just personally for Ty to at least get a chance to start. But I think that he's, you know, the coaches see him in practice every day. So it's not as if they have no idea what they have there. You know, we only see what uh, what he put on the game film this year, which I thought was really good. I mean, like the numbers are really good. I had the eye test. It looked really good and he looked vastly improved. We'll see if he gets a chance to start or if the staff decides, nope, we don't want to develop a guy. We want someone who's, you know, developed somewhere else and we want someone who can come in, be a plug and play. I understand it. And and people were, you know, empathizing with Ty in that scenario. I totally get it because I think I would as well. I'd be like, man, guys stuck it out and they just bring in another transfer and he ends up being the starting quarterback. But I trust the staff to do what is in the best interest of, of the program. I don't think they've uh, shown us anything except the ability to do that time in time and time again, especially when it comes to transfers, which Oregon will have several uh, leaving the program. And that's OK. It is not the end of the world. Several have already announced that they're leaving. Who might they be? What's the impact? We'll talk about that. After we talk about game time, of course, because you shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event. Maybe you're going to go down to the festival against Liberty. If you want to go, I'd encourage you to go because the uh, Glendale, Phoenix, Scottsdale area, number one, is very fun. And number two, you just don't get many chances to watch Oregon play football. See other Duck fans. I'd encourage you to go if you're thinking about going. But if you're going to do that, game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you with killer last minute deals, all in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee. Game time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets, which is exactly what you want. Game time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. All in prices show your total upfront, so you know what you're getting and that you're getting a great deal without hidden fees. You can buy tickets in seconds with just two taps. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, use code LockdownCollege for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-C-O-L-L-E-G-E. That's Locked On College for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Alrighty, second segment, sip in the bag. Let's talk about transfers. So Oregon's had a few who have announced that they are uh, leaving the program thus far. As I record this show, those names are Ashton Cozart, Brian Addison, Damon David, and Chris Hudson. And there are going to be more departures. And so far, none have been majorly impactful. I think the Chris Hudson one was pretty expected. The Brian Addison one, also not a major surprise after his playing time dwindled compared to a season ago. The Ashton Cozart one and Damon David, again, a guy who's been with the team for the last couple of years, has been in a reserve role, not played a lot of meaningful snaps. Pretty talented guy. I think there was a point in time where it looked like he might be a big player in Oregon secondary, but was never able to see the field regularly. Not a huge loss there. The Ashton Cozart one, I think, is the most curious to me because – I don't know that there was ever an expectation, at least on, on my end, and I don't know if you know he maybe felt differently. I never saw him as a guy. Jurion Dickey didn't even play this year. And, and Dickey was a much higher-rated recruit for a reason. Cozart was as well. Cozart was a four-star, and Dickey was a five-star. But Dickey was one of the you know top 20, 30-ish players. I'd have to double-check. He might have been inside the top 50 nationally. 
but for any position, not for wide receiver, for any position, he didn't play this year and redshirted. And and Ashton Kozart, look, here, here's the here's the optimistic view of Kozart going into the transfer portal. It leaves open the possibility that we should feel really confident about the receiving room going forward. Kozart was a speedster coming out of high school. Four-star receiver, like I said, but he was a is a burner. He did not really play at all this year. I think he was maybe on special teams a couple times, some mop-up duty, but was not seeing the field consistently. I don't know that there was ever a plan for him to do anything except redshirt this year, given the receiving depth that Oregon brought in via the portal and already had on the roster. So I think that a guy of that caliber looking at the future and saying, I don't know that I see a future where I'm you know, playing a lot here. That could be an encouraging sign. We'll see what Oregon does in the portal at, at wide receiver, but I think they're you know somewhat light on that position group in the 2024 class, but there are guys on the roster. They're like there are guys on the roster that you know either are playing or could play in the future who are really, really talented. And Troy Franklin's going to go to the NFL and Chris Hudson isn't there and Ashton Kozart transfers. But I think the receiving core could still be quite good next year. That that'll be a fascinating position group to to follow as as, as we move into the offseason here. But there are going to be more transfers. And what I would remind you is to just not panic. Don't panic. Don't ever like we haven't seen a big name yet. I'm sure there'll be a bigger name in there eventually. I don't know when but the transfer portal is officially open and this is the world of college football football. Now, like this is, you don't have to like it, but this is the way it is. Guys are going to enter the portal. Some will be less impactful than others. And you know, when you look at the guys who left Oregon last year, most of them went on to have minimal impact. Sorry, I just had to mute for a sneeze, but I hit that mute button just in time. Most of those guys had a minimal impact elsewhere. Some didn't, you know, Braden Swinson, I think went down, had a great season at, uh, at, at LSU, but you know, other ones like I remember Keith Brown was a big name who transferred because he was a four-star linebacker from Lebanon and he was, you know, an Oregon kid and he said he wanted to stay. And then he left, he went to Louisville and didn't really play a whole lot this year, at least last time that I had checked. So and I watched him in the ACC championship game. I don't remember seeing Keith Brown on the field or, or at least making plays. So I think the staff has a pretty good eye for talent. The transfers they brought in, the Tez Johnsons, the Treshawn Holdens uh, of the world, just to name a couple, a Johnny Cornelius at, at right tackle, Justin Jacobs at linebacker, Jordan Birch. Uh, like the list goes on and on. And I, I, I think that Oregon fans should feel pretty confident in the staff's ability to evaluate what talent they want to work to retain and, and what talent they are, uh, you know, okay with, with, with having them go seek opportunities elsewhere. So if you ever have questions, of course, you can hop into the mailbag, YouTube comments or Twitter at smalls underscore 55 or at locked on ducks. DMs and mentions are wide open. If you want priority mailbag access, though, you can become a locked on ducks insider at subtext. Go to join subtext.com slash locked on ducks. That link is in the description below wherever you listen to or watch this show. You can talk with me one-on-one far easier than if you just message me on social media, though I always respond to those messages as well. You can get messages delivered right to your phone, breaking news, reaction, and analysis delivered to you in real time as I see and hear the news. All sorts of perks over there. Free 14-day trial, then just $5 a month. 
Let's get into the mailbag here. This question from Balin. Hey, Spencer, pod question. Does it feel like to you that the CFP committee heavily punished Oregon for their loss to UW? I know we looked terrible in the first quarter, but the game ended within three again against their number two selection, and we fell below Ohio State, who didn't even play in a championship. And now we get the early bowl game against the only G5 school in the New York Six or New Year's Six slate. That seems unfair to me and tons of other Duck fans. I know we have two losses and Ohio State has one, but what gives? I'm sure you've gotten loads of similar questions today, but thanks for reading this far. Uh, I have not gotten a question specifically about that. I, I, I think what happened is the bowl selection process has, I, I think, a a, uh, a complicated ordeal in terms of selection. So there have been years as the New York Six Bowl. New, why do I keep saying New York Six? Probably because my parents are in New York on vacation right now. Um, I don't know why I keep saying New York Six. The New Year's Six Bowl games have a selection process. And there's always one G5 team in the New Year's Six every year. That is a condition of being a part of it. Now, where that team plays has rotated. And so Memphis one year, I remember, got into the Cotton Bowl and played Penn State. Last year, Tulane was the G5 team selected out of the American Conference, and they played USC. So it's the second year in a row, actually, that the Pac-12 has drawn the G5 matchup there. And Liberty is not as glamorous, even though they're 13-0, and of a matchup as Tulane was last year. Tulane's a much better football team. And they just lost their head coach to, to Houston, but that's beside the point. So I think there's an element of just bad luck here. You know, Oregon was always going to be punished for a loss. And I think that, yeah, it ended up being a three-point game. I think the way that Washington looked compared to Oregon in that one influenced the committee's decision. But we, we've also seen that record, unless you're Florida State, matters a great deal and is, you know, one of the deciding factors. And I think for Ohio State, you know, this is the the caveat of playing in a conference championship game. You have plenty to gain. Teams that aren't playing it are going to stay in their position, like Ohio State, for instance. But Oregon had the chance to win and be ranked above a team like Ohio State no matter what. But if you lose, you can fall below. The destiny is in your own hands. Whereas if you don't play in a conference championship game, your fate is not in your own hands. And look at Ohio State last year. They got into the college football playoff. How? USC lost. And this is why conference championship games matter and why you'd rather play in them than not because you can control your own fate. If USC wins against Utah last year, they're in the college football playoff. Instead, they lost. And so Ohio State got in. But Ohio State wasn't getting in unless USC lost. So I don't think that it's, you know, Oregon's being unfairly punished. I think it's just a bad luck of the draw. I don't know what the order of selection was for, you know, which bowl game is going to get which matchup of of teams and who's going to play in it. I do think it is kind of just a coincidence that the Pac-12 has gotten the G5 matchup each of the last two years. And I think that, you know, that's certainly unfortunate because it doesn't do a lot for, you know, Oregon in the context of the bowl game. It's hard to get as excited for it because they're playing Liberty, but, it's still a New Year's Six bowl game, which and a chance to win 12 games for what would be, I believe, just the fourth time, maybe fifth in in the history of Oregon football. The first time was 2010. They did it again in 2011, winning the Rose Bowl, 2012, winning the Fiesta Bowl. 
and then 2014. Yeah, so this would be the fifth. Yeah, it'd be the fifth time that that's happened happened ever. Someone can can fact check, fact check me on that, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. So I, I I don't think that Oregon was being severely punished. I think there was always going to be a drop off, but it's not as if Oregon was you know relegated to a non New Year Six bowl game. Like they were always going to be in that particular position. They just didn't happen to get the best matchup. But I'm not privy to the selection process there. I do know that there is an order of okay. We want this team. We're selecting that team because these bowl games, remember, are an invitational. You are invited to play in them. You are chosen by the bowl game committee. And so there is a process that college football as a whole has worked out with these bowl game contracts to say, okay, you get to pick this team and you get to pick this team out of that conference and you get this. But someone had to play the G5. It should have been SMU. That would have been way more fun. Um and SMU deserved it, I, I think, more so. They play in a much, much tougher conference uh, in in the American. Like the American, the American just raided Conference USA after the Big 12 raided the American Conference, and SMU went out and won it. They should have been the highest-ranked G5 team, but nevertheless, uh, they are not. The motivation for that game is always something that gets called into question now, but lucky, luckily for Duck fans, Bonex has decided to play. Is that a good thing? Is it not a good thing? LinkedIn jobs is a good thing always, because when you're hiring for a small business, you want to have as many top tier candidates as possible to interview. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast net network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Hiring is easy when you have that many qualified candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours of posting a job. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. LinkedIn, with LinkedIn, the process is quick, intuitive, and easy. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. battling some dry mouth this morning. I don't know what's going on. So I think I fully answered the question. Um, oh, it, the, the the last thing on, on the Liberty matchup, you know, Bailey, and you said that seems unfair to me and tons of other Duck fans. At some level, yes. It's just the way the contracts are written. Like someone has to get that matchup. I think it's just the wrong G5 matchup. And yeah, you can look at it and go, well, that's not as exciting. Ohio State is the team I wanted to play. I wanted to play, you know, their quarterback went into the transfer portal, though. So would that matchup have felt the same? Probably not. A Missouri would have been fun or Ole Miss even, you know, playing against the SEC. But, you know, the way the bowl game contracts work, the G5, I think, goes between the the Fiesta and the Cotton Bowl, if memory serves. Because last year was Cotton, this year is Fiesta. I'm trying to think of the other G5 teams that have played, maybe, maybe an Orange Bowl, maybe an Orange Bowl matchup. Um, but that's just the way things go. Sugar and Rose are the college football playoff games. And and then there are four other ones. So I, I, I think it was bad luck of the draw. I don't think Oregon was being punished. You know, I think I don't think the Fiesta Bowl committee, which has had Oregon play in it as recently as the 2020 season. I, I don't know why they would conspire and say, oh, let's, let's force Oregon to take the G5 matchup. Like, I, I don't think that, 
tracks in in any way. I don't know what their reasoning would be. So I think it's just a bad luck of the draw, uh, unfortunately. But that leads to the last mailbag question of the day from Kyler. Hey, Spencer, do you think it'll be challenging to get the team up and motivated to play with the disappointing end of the season, especially with the weaker bowl opponent, Ducks for Life? First of all, yes, go Ducks always. But that depends on who plays. And Pac-12 teams, here's a great stat for you, that lose the conference championship game are 0-11 in bowl games. Pretty crazy stat, but it is an accurate one. Because when you are that close to either playing in a Rose Bowl or the college football playoff, it can be hard to get motivated. Now, Lanning has said many times this week, uh, or I think he said many times just in the one press conference he's had so far, our guys are excited we're motivated and all this sort of stuff that could very well be coach speak, right? At some level, there is disappointment in the locker room that Oregon is not playing for a national championship. That is 100% possible. I think that Bo Nix deciding to play in the game, though it may not give a lot of Oregon fans what we were initially thinking or perhaps hoping we'd see, which is Ty Thompson starting a full competitive college football game. That can change the tone and tenor because when one guy, especially that guy, is saying, hey, I'm playing and I want you guys to play too, that can really alter the course of how a team approaches a particular matchup. And no, it's not the game we were hoping for after Oregon played in uh, the Pac-12 championship game, had a chance to go to the playoff and all that sort of stuff. And I I think they would have gotten in. I think Oregon probably would have been number three in Texas probably would have been number four. Is that right? What would have happened there? Actually, that's, that's an interesting thought experiment. Michigan would have been number one for sure. Oregon was ahead of Texas and Bama the whole time. Oregon might've been two. I think Oregon probably would have ended up playing Texas. I, I, I think that, you know, they just switch with Washington. Maybe they'd put Texas ahead of them, but unlikely because they'd had Oregon ahead of them all season. So, yeah, I think Oregon probably would have been number two seed, but of, of course, unfortunately, we'll never know. But I think that playing in a New Year's Six game, even though you know bowl games don't mean as much as they did when when I was a kid, and you know certainly long before that as well, I think there is something to the fact you know USC last year didn't lose the game because they appeared unmotivated. They lost the game because their defense was terrible, and they they blew it. They choked, and Caleb Williams played in that game. They had you know, a 10, 13 or something point lead with like five minutes to go. And then they gave up a couple of big plays and they had a safety and this, uh, just this disastrous ending and they lost to Tulane. And you know that Liberty isn't going to have a motivation problem. Like this is going to be one of the biggest games Liberty's ever played in the history of their football program. Maybe the, maybe the biggest. It was certainly the biggest win Tulane has ever had in the modern era last year when they beat USC. That's, that's a big, big deal. So, you know, the opportunity to win 12 games and have that be a coach's second season is something. But I think you could have made this same argument about Oregon last year in the Holiday Bowl. Did it look like Oregon was unmotivated in that game? Like a guy like Bo Nix shifting that culture, I think, is really telling. And, and I think it's just something that you have to consider when talking about Oregon's motivation here, because last year in the bowl game, it wasn't the game Oregon was hoping to play in had the collapse against Washington and Oregon State, didn't even play for a Pac-12 championship game. And what was that matchup with North Carolina? An opportunity to go out there and compete. 
an opportunity to play with guys who, you know, a lot of guys who you're never going to play football with again, who might go off to the NFL, hit the transfer portal or what have you. And it's also an opportunity to see young players and and give them an opportunity if if guys do decide to opt out of the bowl game. But I think that Bo Nix saying, you know, I'm going to play in the game and I want to give it one last ride and go out on a high note. I, I think that is that that could be telling for the rest of the guys. I'm sure a couple guys will still end up opting out. I don't know what Treshawn Holden's cryptic emoji laden tweet means or Kyrie Jackson saying I love you Oregon or anything. Like nothing's beneficial on that front. But we'll still learn a lot about the Ducks' future. And that's why I'm interested, to say the least, to watch the game. Appreciate everyone listening. I will see you next time. Have a wonderful rest of your day and go Ducks.